Welcome to Coffee and Conversation, a podcast that's all in the name. Good coffee with great conversation. Here's your host, Larry Vincent. All right, welcome to another bonus episode of the Coffee and Conversation podcast. Uh, I am your host, Larry Vincent, and my special guest today is the one and only Senator John Crane. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Thanks, Larry. It's awesome to be with you this morning. You you are my uh, my first uh, political guest. Is that uh, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, we, we we did a podcast on politics, and a friend of a mutual friend of ours. Uh, Your Walt- guests are going downhill. Is that the point? <laughs> you know, we've really hit the gutter. Uh, we've really exactly. hit the gutter. Uh, and, and and since this is a a, a personal type of podcast sure. conversation, uh, I am going to ask permission for my audience's sake to call you John. Yeah, that's totally good. Okay. Totally good. Thanks. All right. Uh, I appreciate I appreciate the levity there, Senator. Uh, yes. So uh, so we are uh, going to talk today about leadership and a special class that John is going to host right here at Cornerstone Christian Church starting in January. Yep. Uh, but really the focus today will be on will be on leadership. But before we get there, uh, we're going to do our, our our usual thing of our first sip. Now we are brewing today uh, an espresso blend. Okay. All right. Uh, from our our good good friends uh, uh, who usually roast us roast us coffee. So uh, let's go ahead and take our first sip. That is Ooh, good. That is good. Uh, now, you know, now, now, John. <laughs> You you say that's good, but you you have um, doctored. I have doctored your it. coffee, and and I got to tell you, John, your approval rating with me just went down about twenty points. <laughs> well, Larry, I'm one of those guys that likes a little coffee with my cream and sugar. <laughs> so. Well, well, we will we will accept. We've had people on here who drink water. All right, so okay, all right. you at least got it. There you, is coffee in my mug. There just is to be coffee fair. in your mug. To be fair, I saw it. I'm a witness of that's it. That's right. Uh, you know, and if there if there's any uh, panel discussions over this in the in the Senate House, I will be glad to be okay, a witness. I'll call you in as a witness. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, John, let's let's dive right into uh, our topic uh, by uh, introducing people if they don't know. Uh, your faith story. This is the thing I like to ask all of my guests yeah. because I think it's important for people to to know that you can be a strong Christian, have a strong faith uh, in the jobs that you do, in the life that you live. Uh, and in order for people to understand that, they have to know where you came from, right? That's right. So in a, in a very quick way, um, give, me, give me the short version of your faith journey. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the question. Um, I am blessed to to have grown up in a strong Christian family, and um, of course, you didn't realize it at the time. You're just living your life as right. a kid, yeah. And then you get older, and you get out into the world, and you begin to compare your upbringing with that of others, and then you have your own kids. Yes. And so a lot of different variables come into kind of analyzing your own journey. And for me, uh, my parents have been Christians my whole life. Um, I'm one of those guys that uh, became a Christian sometime when I was four years old, and I don't really remember exactly when it was, but I remember a moment when I was talking with my mom and prayed a prayer and all those things, and um, I wouldn't necessarily have it any other way. There was a period of time where you hear other people's stories, 
and they've come out of the dredges of, you know, some life where they are wandering aimlessly in the alleys and all of a sudden have this light from heaven. And you're thinking, well, mine isn't that inspiring, right? Um, so maybe I ought to go down that road and, you know, have a reconversion of some kind. But the reality is um, everybody, no yes. matter who you are, myself included, has to get to a point where you move from this faith that I've been taught right. by my parents, my youth pastor, other adults in my life, whoever it might be, to is this theirs or is is this mine, the, right. the ownership piece? Yes. And I think everybody, no matter your faith journey or right. your journey in life, yeah. has to come to that place of what is truth, um, how do I know it when I see it, um, how do I recognize truth versus falsehood because there's a lot of competing ideas out there so yes. whether you're growing up in a christian home or an atheist home or a buddhist home or a hindu home or a muslim home or whatever we all have to try to figure out what this reality is of the human experience and um, i firmly believe um, kind of in the words of c.s lewis that um I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not only because I see it, that is the right. sunrise, but because by it I can see everything else. And oh, I, yeah. I believe Christianity is the best reflection of reality yeah. uh, in this experience. So that's where I began to recognize how blessed I've been to be on that journey. Oh, yeah. You know, it's really funny because I come from the exact opposite story of your yeah. background. And, yeah. uh, and I remember having conversations with people who grew up in the church like you. Um, and, and telling me, uh, man, I wish I had your testimony. And, and I, I would always laugh at that because I'm like, no, you really don't want to go through what yeah. I had to go through. And, 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 and the people who have your kind of testimony are inspiring to people like me. Well, that's good to hear because I, I, I struggled with that some myself. Yeah. But to your point, yeah. you, know, you think about what I want to go back and go through. I mean, well, let me back up. Even within my journey, yes, it's not as if it's been an easy road. Right, I exactly. I haven't had my own struggles. Right, exactly. But at least I've been in a context or on a path that is grounded and guardrailed by truth. Yes. Right? Versus some of these folks that, by virtue of the circumstances of their birth, have been born into family contexts that are yeah. on the exact opposite right. end of that yep. spectrum. And still have to find their way into the light. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and, you know... it. As I have kids and as I'm raising them in a context that I've never been a part of, yeah. looking to people who have that solid foundation, uh, I, I talk to people all the time who grew up in situations like you, okay, what do I do as a, as a parent? Because I don't have the context right. that, that people who were raised in a faithful house have. And, That's right. Yeah, and so you guys, you know, uh, people with your kind of a story help me out well, in my Christian walk. That's good. And I, you know, the thing that my wife and I talk about all the time, because she's in a similar situation, her mm -hmm. dad was a pastor, mm -hmm. and we have just been blessed. Yes. There's no other way to put it. We've been blessed. Right. But it also means that we are in a position of greater strength because you're not necessarily in survival mode. Yes. You know, you think about just life and all of a sudden you get a cancer diagnosis or something mm -hmm. happens and all of a sudden the bottom drops out of your life. Right. You're not in a position to offer much to anybody else. Yes. You're just trying to make it. Right. Exactly. Well, for us, it's not as, again, as if we haven't had any problems, but generally speaking and relative to many people in the world. Yeah. 
we're in a position of greater strength, which means we're able to give. Yes. We're able to give from experience or from principles yeah. or just background or whatever to hopefully help people. And so right. that's really been kind of the defining mission of our lives, the two of us and our yeah. family, is to try to say, okay, to whom much is given, much is required. Yes. And we have an obligation to try to give out of the abundance that we've been given. I have a similar quote. Um, you know, to uh, to whom has more power is more responsibility. Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yeah. that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yours was exactly. probably some, you know... There's some theology in Spider-Man. Yeah, yours was, yours was godly. Uh, mine was marvelly. Um, <laughs> that's a new word. I came up with it. Uh, you, you know, look, and I'll say this. I'll say this last thing, and then we'll we'll move on. Sure. Um, you know, because I think maybe someone in, in the audience needs to hear it. You, you talk about you know that that kind of you have that strength. You know, you're not always in survival mode. You know, you're. Your uh, your upbringing has helped you f- deal with this in a faithful way, and it, and it's funny because as a person who's come from a dysfunctional background, uh, you know that's something that you will constantly fight, even even as a Christian. You know exactly. the the, uh, the the repercussions of that background. I am that's constantly, right. you know, uh, through Christ. Not on my own strength, but through my Christian strength. Yeah. Through the Holy Spirit within me. Uh, I am constantly fighting the temptations to go back to a dysfunctional system. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the tension of the human experience, yes. right? Right. Is who's going to be in the driver's seat of my life? Right. Exactly. Right. Am I going to give over the driver's seat of yeah. my life yes. to God and trust that he actually does? He's a good God and he does have yeah. my best interests in, yes. in mind. Right. Or am I still going to hold on to that steering wheel? Mm-hmm. And even as somebody who grew up in the background that I was blessed to grow up in, yeah, I still struggle with that because that's the basic human tension. Right. I don't necessarily, I've never been one who has had some kind of mystical and miraculous like Saul to Paul experience and all of a sudden life gets easier and there's no more problems, right? <laughs> I think Paul wouldn't even d- debate whether that's right. he had an that's easy right. life after But conversion. it isn't like all of a sudden you become a Christian and life is just yeah. easy and wonderful. It's better. Yes, it's it is better. It's more fulfilling. Yes, it is. Yes. And you're on the right path. Yes. But man, it's a hard path. A yes. lot of times it is a hard path. And this is why we asked you to come in here today. I yeah. mean, we, the whole idea of we can live this life in this world in today's age as faithful Christians uh, is something that I think we need to be retaught uh-huh. uh, because we, we, we live in a very Christian worldview or not a Christian worldview. We live in a culture, I should say, that, that uh, talks down being faithful out, outwardly. Uh, you know, because uh, because you because of fear of repercussion at work, or repercussion politically, or mm-hmm. repercussion whatever, however you have it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, it's it's the tension that Paul talks about in Romans seven. You know, uh, there's this war waging within me to do mm-hmm. right or do wrong, and, and and how we choose to fight that battle determines whether or not we win the war. That's right. Right. That's right. Um, so when you look at uh, you know, not just as a senator, but as uh, as a uh, white collared worker in in the in, in the world today. You know, how does your faith dictate what you do? Well, that's that's the real question, isn't yeah. it? 
because it doesn't matter what your context is. It, my my sense is, if you understand Christianity mm. not just as a slap on kind of religious label, but a life transforming right Christian worldview, yes, then that means it impacts the way we see the world. It impacts the way we think about the world. Right. Um, it impacts how we live within the world and so forth. And people have asked me all the time in all the teaching and speaking that I do, you know, you know how do you define countercultural Christianity? They say the, the definition of countercultural Christianity is Christianity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's lived out the way it's supposed to be lived out, it will run counter to the culture. Right. So just a couple points. Um, you know, we, we're on the two-year anniversary of the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. right? And, I mean, it blew up and it became a national and an international uh, situation, as it should. Yeah. Nobody remembers what the big story was the week or two prior to that thing coming to the fore. That is true. And that was Mike Pence following the Billy Graham rule. Oh, that's right. Of not wanting to be anywhere without his wife or, you know, just honoring his wife in that way. And he was lambasted. Yeah. Yeah. Unknowingly, I just proved your point. Right? (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. And... Uh, people just thought, oh my goodness, he's he's out I, to lunch oh, and yeah. all this stuff. And it was informed by his faith. And it was an attempt by one man, as a leader, in the public eye, yes. to go to extra measures right. to honor the covenant that he made with his wife. Right. And all of a sudden, everybody's laughing about it until the Me Too movement comes. Yes. And I'm saying, well, wait a second. Maybe <laughs> there's something there that we need to be thinking about. Right. Yeah. right? The other one is this story more recently that happened last week. Uh, in the courtroom in Dallas, oh yeah, where the eighteen-year-old uh, brother mm-hmm. of the murder victim, yep, hugs Amber Geiger, yep, at uh, he gets a chance to kind of make the victim statement, and tells her straight up, "You need Jesus." Yeah, I love and my I love brother that whole thing. Would tell you that you need Jesus. Yeah, I forgive you. I'm not harboring resentment against you. I don't want you to rot in hell. Yeah, you need the Lord. Can I give you a hug? And it, it, I've seen it. I mean, the world does not know how to handle that image. Yeah, it's the hug heard around the world. Yes. and they can't figure it out. Now, now, let me ask you about this specifically because yeah. I'm interested uh, in in what you think about the judge's response. Because it, it, the the second story was the judge giving a Bible. That's right. Um, to uh, uh, Miss Geiger, Geiger, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and you know talking to her now a lot of people in the culture are calling that inappropriate yeah uh, how how do you see that well I mean I get the point I mean yeah. but they they say it's inappropriate because of the separation of church and state right yes right yeah um, I think it's a misinterpretation of separation of church and state mm-hmm. people have uh, automatically assumed that that whole concept is to protect the state from the church. Right. But they don't understand the historical context of that, which comes from a letter that President Thomas Jefferson wrote to the um, Baptist Association in Danbury, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And the Baptist Association was worried that in the early goings of our American Republic, we would basically have a recreation of a theocracy right. that they had come out of, right. where the, the state church is dictating, and if you don't follow that particular denomination or that faith set, then uh, you're going to be in trouble. And so he specifically referenced the First Amendment, which was <clears throat> establishing that what he called wall of separation between church and state. Yeah. 
The point being, it wasn't to protect the state from the church. It was to protect the church from the state. Right. Uh, because the founding fathers understood the value that Christian principles and ideas bring to society. Right. Uh, we could get into all that, but yeah, the right. point being with this situation with the judge. Yeah. Now, she was in her official role. Right. But in my opinion, it's a personal act. She gave her own personal Bible yes. to this gal. Yeah. And in the largest scheme of things, yeah. I tend to agree with that 18-year-old younger brother. Yeah. If Amber Geiger comes to know the Lord through all this, and if other people come to know the Lord through all this, yes. then we'll deal with the church-state issue. <laughs> right? Like... Yeah. I, and I think, personally, that's probably what the judge may be thinking as right. well. But yeah. I know she's also been sued by the Freedom From Religion Foundation and, right. and things like that. And I personally, coming from where I'm, you know, my worldview, that's unfortunate yeah. that uh, we've got to get stickler about certain things and yeah. make a big deal out of something that takes away from the, the beauty yeah. Of that moment. I, I know, mean, right? Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. So you, you know, and the reason why I bring this up is because you are mentoring and teaching future leaders yes. throughout the state. And, and I wonder then how do you teach them to live their faith out? Yeah. In those in those circumstances. Yeah. Like, would you have given that judge that advice? You know, would you, would you, if she would have came to you and say, what do you think? Do you think I should do this? You know, and I, you don't necessarily have to answer that specific question, but do you, do you teach, uh, how do you teach people to live out their faith counterculturally? Yes. Yeah, so it all comes back to a fundamental idea. And yeah. that is, do you believe that what you believe is actually true? Yes. And yeah. good. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. If the answer is yes then why wouldn't you want other people to know? Right. If you don't want other people to know because you're in fear or because somebody's telling you you're not supposed to say that or do that, I would personally question how much you actually believe it's true and good. Yes. Okay? Yeah. So I say that to say that in my role as a senator, uh, that comes up, right? How do you live out your faith? Right, yeah, of course. You have to live within a certain set of parameters. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot more latitude within those parameters than people realize. We live in a culture that doesn't tell you that, right? Right. So oh, yeah. So we kind of hunker down and uh, somebody ought to probably say something or somebody ought to do something here, but uh, I hope it's somebody else, right? right? Not right. me. And so for me, um, one of the things that we share with leaders is it's not enough just to believe the right thing if you don't actually have the corresponding courage in the moment yes. to stand up or to speak up, or to act on behalf of. Right. Um, because that's really what separates b belief in theory from belief in practice. Am I willing to risk right. something? Rejection, in my case, uh, certain positions I take politically, am I willing to ri risk not being reelected? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, if it's the right thing. So, so do you think this is um, parallel to the verse... Uh, in the Bible where Jesus says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you in front of my father? Um, I think that, I guess my answer there would be, it depends on the context, right? Yeah. If you're flat out denying, I th yeah. think about uh, Peter denying Christ. Right. I think, sure. you're, I think you're dancing a delicate line there. If you are, ne if you are not 
actually speaking up. So mm-hmm. it'd be kind of what I what we might use the phrase sin of omission versus sin of commission. Yes. Um, I think there's probably a little more latitude there. Well, yeah, and, and I, I would agree. Uh, you know, there's there's that. Yeah, I, I've heard the saying a lot here recently. Um, you know, from more pro- progressive theologians that say if you you know uh, if you don't say anything, you're saying what you're saying the opposite. You know, you like know what this I mean? idea of silence is is complicity. Yes, yes right. Exactly. I've heard the same thing. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's interesting because there's a very famous quote, and I won't necessarily get it right, but from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, mm-hmm. silence in the face yes. of itself is itself evil. Yes. Right? Right, yeah, I and mean, he uh, had a very to, different context. Right. <laughs> yeah. To do nothing is to do something, that right. kind yes. of idea. Yes, yes, And I've, it has caused me to think about that because I, that quote is an excellent quote. Yes, it is, yeah. And we see in Scripture multiple times where, you know, uh, if you see somebody taken off to the slaughter and you don't say anything, basically, it's not like you're left guiltless. Right, right. You have a responsibility to engage. I agree with that. Right. The challenge becomes, okay, as I'm considering all of the challenging issues in our entire planets. Yes. Does that then mean that I have to engage on every single one? Right. And if I don't, then somehow I'm complicit. Right. In Boko Haram. Yeah. You yeah. know, where I'm complicit in not getting more wells built in Africa to help people with water. I'm complicit in human trafficking. Yeah. I, I don't know that I would necessarily go that far. Sure. Yeah. I think we need to be proactive. Yes. And, and it's combined with this idea of where has God placed me mm-hmm. and how does God want me to maximize all the strengths and abilities and gifts and assets that he's given me right. to bring good to the world. Yeah, I, I call it, I come, it comes down to me to personal conviction as well. You know, yeah. if you are getting convicted to say something, I, I feel you are responsible to say something. Yes. Um, in the same way that if you feel, um, if you feel convicted to boycott an organization because of something that they're doing, um, then you must follow through with, with that, you know, Paul, right. Paul talks about the personal conviction piece in Romans, you know, uh, and but if you if you don't, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that you're condemned or whatever. Right. And I agree with that. The only other thing I would add to that is sometimes we're not clear on whether we're feeling convicted to act. Right. So my counsel to leaders and especially young leaders is uh, if you're not clear error on the side of engaging versus not engaging, mm, right? Yeah, and right. then God will sort it out. Yes. Yeah. I think God wants a willing heart, yeah. somebody who's willing to step forward rather than step back. Yes. And we live in a culture, let's just be honest, I was at a community breakfast this morning that was oriented for men, and one of the big themes was apathy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're more than happy to let the ladies in our lives take care of things. Um, and there's key roles that women have, and they do it really, really well, and they do it a lot better than we do. <laughs> that is, but so it true. is very easy for us sometimes to just kind of lay back and let somebody else handle things that are our responsibility. Right. And so, to me, the default mentality should be, how can I step forward to engage? And this is part of leadership, right? Leaders engage. Yeah. Leaders show up. They stand up. They speak up. They engage. Right. They move forward. Yeah. And uh, leaders shouldn't be asking other people to do anything that they're not willing to do themselves. So you have, let's say, you have a young leader who who is excited about what you're saying. They want to be countercultural, right? They they want to do these things. How do you make sure they do it the right way? Because isn't there a fear? 
uh, that uh, youthful exuberance or just exuberance in general, uh, that they might take something a little too far, do something a little too extreme, you know, and not be wise. How do you teach the wisdom behind the engagement? Yeah, that's that's challenging, right? Because yeah. it's not a kind of a scientific formula. <laughs> I wish it were. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. One of the, the big themes that we emphasize over and over and over is this idea of being thoughtful. Yeah. Thoughtful leadership or thoughtful engagement. Mm-hmm. And it goes to exactly what you're talking about, how we need to be thinking. So we need to be critically engaged in our mind, yeah. but then how we need to be acting. Yes. And so we need to be sharp. We mm-hmm. need to be informed. We need to be continually educating ourselves. This whole idea of leaders are readers or being a lifelong learner. Right. You know, and I, especially with young people, we'll tell them at some point you will survive this season called school <laughs> and you will be out on your own, right? But don't ever stop learning. Right. You don't have somebody kind of every day forcing you to learn, so yeah. now you got to be self-motivated. Right, exactly. But then, if you do have good knowledge and, and capacity, what are you doing with it? Yes. And so one of the big themes related to that is what we call the psychology of influence, mm-hmm. right? Do yeah. you understand how people tick? Yes. How they think? Mm-hmm. What is actually going to move the needle in somebody's mind and heart to get them to want to follow you? And you need to be a leader worth following. So you have some people, and I love the enthusiasm. Yeah. I love the passion. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I have to guard against myself, and even as a as a public figure, mm-hmm. is not to be as zany and crazy as I used to be when I was younger, where it's like, well, what are people going to think? Yeah. You know, if I get a little too goofy with my kids. Right. You know, or something. Are, right. are people going to, oh, what's he doing? And... That isn't how it should be. You know, right. we get we need to be wise to your point. But the passion is what drives us through the barriers. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Like when people see something or want to pursue something and all the naysayers and well, you can't do that, you're too young, or you don't have this skill, or you don't have that money, or whatever. You go, yeah, but I believe. Yes. And I can see it. Yes. And we're gonna get it. Yes. You know, that's what we need. Now, now the the counter to that is the wisdom of how do I learn about people right. so that I can actually impact them? Yeah, because you know, one of the things I learned early on, I, uh, a mentor taught me this when I was first a pastor. If you get too far ahead of your, uh, of your congregation, in my context, right? If you get too far ahead of your congregation, you stop being a leader and you start being a target. <laughs> Well, you know, that's and, probably true. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, yeah. and and you know, yeah, that's that's kind of a negative thing on 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 the church, but it's it's really not. It's just about effective leadership. I have to lead where my people are. I have to yeah. know my people well yeah. enough to know where I can push, where I need to pull back. Yeah, you know, and that's how, right, and how that's I can exactly lead. Right. You know, and one of the other variations of that is if you're leading and nobody's following, then right. you're just going for a walk. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, if you, it, you know, it, it's funny. Like, uh, you know, I run marathons, and uh, if I have a pacer, and that pacer is going too fast for the pace, they stop being a pacer. They That's start right. being a participant. That's right. Right, <laughs> and so they have to learn how to pace well. Yeah. So that you're not killing the people behind but you. But you you bring up the the excellent point. The only way you're going to be able to know how to pace well is if you know your people. Yes. And exactly. so that's where the relational piece and all this right. matters because part of effective leadership is also knowing who's on my team. And yeah. it could be an actual sports team, or yeah. it could be a business context, it could be a church, it could be a political context, or whatever. Right. 
Who are the people on my team? How do they tick? What are the things they really care about? What are they good at? Mm-hmm. What are they not good at? Yeah. All in light of what am I good at and what am I not good at? Right. Because I want to bring people around me, hopefully, that will complement my weaknesses. Sure. So I'm going to ask you a very challenging question. I, okay. I assume you know, or not know, but believe that Jesus was a thoughtful uh, leader. Yes. I mean, obviously, right? Yes. Uh, do you think he was do you think the quintessential was, thoughtful leader? Yes. Do you think that was exhibited in the turning of the tables? Yes. Uh, how how so? And then how does that relate then to the modern day leader and what you teach? So one of the other things we teach, and this is this idea of speaking up, standing, yes. is courageous leadership. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about four roles of the leader. Mm-hmm. The leader is the servant, mm-hmm. which we hear a lot about that. Right. The leader is the teacher. Mm-hmm. The leader is the guardian. Mm-hmm. And the leader is the restorer. Mm. And the guardian piece and the restorer piece are tied into that scene in the temple. We have a tendency sometimes, I think, to um, sanitize or dilute or minimize yeah. that aspect of necessary leadership. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because good Christians are not supposed to be angry. Yeah. Good Christians are supposed to turn the other cheek. Jesus himself told us to turn the other cheek. So we're supposed to turn the other cheek. Yeah. But as Philip Yancey said in one of his books, you don't get hung on a cross for being Mr. Rogers. <laughs> right? And I love Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There was a, there, by the way, there was this urban legend. Oh, yeah, that he was a sniper in Vietnam. You know, yeah, yeah, he was a sniper in Vietnam. He had tattoos That's of all the right. kills he had. Uh, not true, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but the point that Yancey's making is there's an aspect of Jesus that we yeah. don't talk about. Yeah, right? he's uncomfortable. We talk about Jesus the shepherd. We don't talk about Jesus the Lion of Judah. Yes. And I remember the scene um, from Chronicles of Narnia when yeah. Mr. Beaver's talking to the kids. And they're saying, oh, Aslan. Aslan's mm-hmm. in the wood. And you say, well, is he safe? And he's like, no, he's not safe. He's a lion. <laughs> he's a lion. But yeah. he's good. Yes. That's yes. the key, yes. right? right? And even in Scripture, it says, in your anger, do not sin. Yes. It doesn't say, don't be angry. Right. Um, I struggle with that. You can mm. ask my wife. You can ask my kids. Yep. Man. But it doesn't change the fact that there are absolutely things that we should be angry about. Right. There are absolutely things that we should be intolerant of in yes. this very tolerant society. Yes. There are boundaries that we should set. Mm-hmm. There are victims that we should protect. Yep. There are people that we should come alongside and guard. Yes. That is part and parcel to our role yeah. as leaders in this culture. Yeah, and, and, and listen, I won't ask you for the nuances of that of, of that discussion because I think that will get us into a whole nother uh, topic. <laughs> that'll that, be the next podcast. Yeah, that'll be the next podcast, okay. I'm sure. Um, you know, but I, I appreciate uh, the the thoughtfulness in, in, in that answer because I, I do think you're right. I think there there are times for us uh, to speak out, to be courageous. To, uh, by and yet still being thoughtful and doing mm-hmm. it. That's right. You know? That's right. Because uh, we can do as much or more damage right. by not being thoughtful right. as we would if we just didn't say anything. Right. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, we can be wise as serpents. That's right. And innocent as doves. That's right. right. And and so what I always tell people, uh, you know, who are thinking about doing something courageous and bold in their, um, you know, in their ministry or in their work or whatever, you know, count the cost, like Jesus said. Count the cost and determine 
what God is asking you to do. Yeah. You know, um, if you have the the benefit, the luxury of praying about it for a day, do so. Yeah. Otherwise, like you said, if it's one, if it's in the moment and you need to speak up and say something, always err on the side of speaking up. Yeah. You know, and dealing with the consequences. Consequences. I think just one other comment there too. I think uh, how we view people is impacting our our ability to engage or not. Yes. We have lost sight of the fact. That we're all human beings right. walking this thing called the human experience yeah. journey. Yeah. We all live on the planet. Right. And we've gotten so divisive yeah. that we can no longer be kind to each other. Right? I, I, it was interesting. I saw on Twitter, um, I think about when this was. It was just yesterday. The Twitterverse blew up. Mm-hmm. Why? Because on the Sunday night football game, oh, yeah. um, there was an image of George W. Bush and Laura Bush sitting next to Ellen DeGeneres. Mm-hmm. And George Bush and Ellen DeGeneres are having this conversation. They're kind of laughing. How know? dare he? Oh, man. I mean, <laughs> people are like, what are you doing on yeah. both sides of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And it's like, what do you mean? What are you doing? Well, the These same thing are two people with, watching a game, and they can yeah. be friends. The same you know? thing happened with Lauren Daigle on The Ellen Show. Right. Yeah, you know, when she got on The Ellen She got lambasted by That's the right. Christian culture. And, and Ellen did as well. And to me, um, especially if we're claiming to be Christians, right. then we've got to be working hard to do it better. Yes. And to, to exemplify. Yes. That age-old adage, what would Jesus do? How yeah. would Jesus act and react in given yes. situations towards people? And I think Christians can be right out on the cutting edge of that, yeah. promoting dignity and value for all people. Right. Yeah, and, and, and you know, Jesus going to the woman at the well, right? Obviously disagreeing with the lifestyle, but yet loving her through that conversation. That's right. You know, uh, I had an elder a couple churches ago, uh, you know, ask me, what would you do if a homosexual couple came into your church so I invite them to sit next to me you know because that's what that's what the church would do that's what the church well, supposed see that's yeah. the thing right yeah because certain sins are more uh, out there and right. more obvious right because in a situation like that if you have reluctance to do that then you better not sit next to anybody else in the church exactly because we're all carrying our own sin exactly. in our own way exactly right. right right and it's it's fascinating I've got this kind of list of books that I should have read by now. So, <laughs> I have those same books. Right? So I'm going down through it, like pulling one off. Yeah. So yeah. And one of them is Philip Yancey's What's So Amazing About Grace. That's a good book. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. And I've always known it's a great book. Yeah. I've just never actually read all the way through sure. it. So I thought, well, I'm going to start reading all the way through it. And I'm, you know, 50, 60 pages in. It is beautiful. It is. How he captures this yeah. mysterious thing called grace that in our very graceless society, yeah. we just can't even fathom. Right. And right. yet that's the that's the epitome of Christ. And that's what people are looking for, which is why it is so important for leaders and young leaders, old leaders, doesn't matter age-wise, to be out in the world showing that love and grace. That's right. And, you know, uh, and we're, we're going to go ahead and, and, and wrap up, uh, but I want quickly to talk about this class yeah. that you're teaching in January. Uh, can you give me uh, a synopsis of what you hope to achieve um, and, and what this won't be as well, <laughs> yes. um, you know, uh, because I know you come from a political background sure. and, you know, and a lot of people, are, and especially in today's culture, find it difficult to, that a senator can separate, right. uh, you know, politics from their life, from their life and their teaching. Um, so let's talk about this class just a little bit. Give me a quick synopsis of what it is, what it's not, yeah. 
um, and what you hope to achieve. So uh, let's start with what it's not. Yes. Okay. Uh, this is the thing that's always causes a little reluctance for me in teaching these things mm -hmm. uh, in my current role. Yes. Because I've been teaching all this stuff for 20 years. Right. Um, but I haven't been a senator for all of that time. Right. And so as soon as you get elected to a political position, people automatically start making assumptions about all kinds of things. Yes. So one of the things that people do sometimes um, is assume that now the only thing I can talk about and the only thing I want to talk about is politics. Yeah. And that's just not the case. Right. Um, I talk about politics because I have to talk about politics, and I talk about politics also because it's important. Right. But it doesn't saturate every single thing. In fact, people will say, hey, did you see this issue or that? No, I'm just kind of living my life. Right? You know, get me up to speed. What's happening? Yeah. But um, so that's it. Isn't going to be a, a sequence of uh, political diatribe on this, or right. let's figure out how to come up with the conservative position on that. And that's not what this is. Right. Um, I happen to be a thought leader who is very passionate about helping Christians recognize, as I tell people, that if we do not equip ourselves to understand and live out a robust Christian worldview, mm -hmm. then everybody loses. Right. Not just me, right. but everybody on the planet. Because yeah. Christianity, by definition, is reality. And the sooner yes. you understand that, the better you will be able to understand how to live within right. this world. So that's what I'm passionate about. Now, there will be some certain things where we may have some political issues that come up because one of the big things that we talk about is, okay, what is happening in the world around us? How yeah. do we need to be thinking about raising our kids, uh, sports, politics, business? I mean, right. every part of life that we live, yeah. does Christianity inform that or not? Right. Um, so we may allude to some of those things, but really what the, what the gist of this whole thing is, is to help Christians and non-Christians. I mean, I don't know who's going to be there, but help people understand Christianity is a worldview. Yeah. Everybody has a worldview. Once you understand the true worldview, then you got to figure out what does this mean for all parts of my life? Yeah. And then you got to figure out how do I live this out? Yeah. And then you got to figure out. How do I tell as many people as possible? Right. That's the gist of it. And the pragmatic side of this, too, is we're going to be introducing this course here at Cornerstone with the intent of then passing the baton so that this can just be an ongoing right. equipping opportunity for people. Yeah. And, and, you know, I know talking business on a podcast is far beyond what I wanted this to be, but this is you know, this is important, you know, yeah. uh, and it fits so well within how I see discipleship um, how our church sees discipleship. Absolutely. You know, that that you, you there's a foundational aspect of teaching good Christian doctrine about uh, implementing that within our own lives, sharing that with others, and, and living a life uh, full of the Spirit of God. That's right. You know, and the fruit of the Spirit. And, and right. this fits in so well, which we've talked about before. Yeah. And this is why we're doing it, you know, uh, here at Cornerstone, because we want our people to do this. This is something that we always care about, that I care about for the podcast, that I care about for the church, that people take what we're talking about and learning and implement it within themselves, share it with the world, so that we can be the light God has called us well, to be. Well, it's, it's a mission of love, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it I mean, is. like, I want to share the truth with you because yeah. I love you enough to say this is the right path, walk right. in it. Or I might love you enough to say, hey, I mean, this is what we do with our kids. Right. If, yeah. we're, if we're responsible parents, is you're walking down a wrong path here. Believe me, I've been down there. There's nothing yes. good down there, yes. right? Yes, yes. I love you enough to say, hey, step over here. 
follow this path and life will get better for you. Not only, you know, in the next life where we have the opportunity of heaven and salvation. Right. But in this life. Right. Exactly. That's right. what it's about. Awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, if you are in the Brownsburg area, I'd love to have you come check out Cornerstone uh, any week, but especially starting in January when uh, John's class starts. Uh, you can contact the church for more information. Uh, this does conclude our, our bonus episode. Don't worry, season three is in the works right now. and We'll be starting back up in the new year. Uh, really excited about the things that we're going to be talking about next year. Uh, but uh, this will be the final episode of season two. Uh, if you are uh, in the area, again, we'd love to have you come worship with us each and every Sunday at 9 and 10.30. Uh, there is Sunday school both hours as well. For more information, you can find us on the interwebs, uh, cornerstonerock.org, uh, or our Facebook page, uh, CCC Brownsburg, or the search Cornerstone Christian Church. Uh, and if you have any questions, you can email me, Larry, at cornerstonerock.org. Thank you so much for joining the Coffee and Conversation podcast. We will see you all next season.